for all of your TNA needs, head to tensandaces.com. Are you ready for some TNA? My friends and I aren't your average blackjack players. We're all APs, which, if you don't know, stands for advantage player. As in, we play with a mathematical edge or advantage over the house. Yep. Card counters. That would be us. On this podcast, I'm going to bring you true life stories about the AP life. There'll be stories of all the times we fucked up. Stories when we made out like bandits. Stories of losing more in one session than a lot of people make in a year. Stories of getting backed off in one shoe. Stories of average shows out here doing this card counting thing with some of us crushing it and some of us just making our way through it. So if this is the kind of shit you want to hear, well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. And welcome to the Tens and Aces podcast. I'm your host. My name is Mike. In this episode of our attempt at imaginary radio, I welcome Rain Man to the show. He is relatively new to the AP world, but that's okay. I like to bring people on at all stages on their journey down the AP path. I think that different perspectives offer an opportunity for all of us to learn at least a little something. And for others that may be somewhere along the path closer to Rain Man than maybe some of us are here, his insight and fresh eyes might be particularly helpful for that group of people. So anyway, if this is the kind of stuff you want to hear, Listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Welcome to the show today, Rain Man. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going all right. You know, just hanging out, just doing some schoolwork, looking up some stuff for Blackjack. Same same old, same old. How about yourself? Pretty much the same old, same old here, too. Yeah, so a quick little bio about myself. I'm actually a college student right now. There's plenty of people that I've seen on, uh, you know, BGA. I've actually seen quite a few people that are saying they're college students. And it's kind of nice to see that there's, you know, some younger kids that are getting into Blackjack as well. Um, I actually started playing Blackjack when I was 16. Uh, what really got me excited about Blackjack was, you know, the original 21 movie. You know, the whole MIT team <laughs> going to Las Vegas and making thousands of dollars. It's it's like, you know, oh, man, that'd be great. I want to do that someday. And so, you know, that's what got me started on Blackjack. I mean, it was just something crazy like that. I, I watched it probably once a week. Just think just just I couldn't wait to turn 21 to play Blackjack. Little mm-hmm. did I know how actually complicated or not maybe not complicated, but how much how far from the truth that actually was completely like he was just winning, 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 winning. And then everything was just like magic. And then all of a sudden it wasn't, uh, which I guess that kind of happens sometimes. But that movie, you know, we I'm sure you do, too. Now, in retrospect, laugh at that movie. It's the same thing with the hangover the blackjack scene oh yeah there's all these differential equations going on over his head (laughs) (laughs) it's it's funny too because i think about it as in like personally i'm i'm going to college for engineering and so i look at it and i'm like man that it's not that complicated they make it so much more complicated in the movies well, for the hangover, for an example, they have all these differential equations and they have like the uh, the triangle theorem. I can't really, you know, pronounce the name, but they have the little theorem A squared plus B squared is C squared and all this. Yeah, I know. It's like it's not that complicated. It, they've 
they make it out on the hangover to be so much more complicated than it is. And it's, also, like, in the 21 movie, they end up making it a lot more simpler than it is. It's it's kind of like a, you know, happy medium between the 21 movie and the hangover. But it's seriously third grade math. Plus one, minus one, divided by decks remaining. I mean, really it's, not that complicated. I mean, there's, of course, you know, deviations and basic strategy and all that stuff you have to know. But as far as the math goes... <laughs> yeah, it's really simple. I mean, you can get into your more you know playing efficiency you know counts there's the the ko there's i think this isn't there like an rko or something there's high op one and two i i did try to get into those thinking okay if i learn these it's gonna boost my ev i i I really didn't look into it that much but i started to i think it was high op two and then it just i practiced for like i think maybe an hour or two and i i said screw this you know let's just go to high low one zero negative one call it good it's it's good teach our own on their counting system that they're dogmatic to but as far as i'm concerned all that other stuff really does is make your game more complicated and then exactly. it, that leads you to mistakes so once you get high low down 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 the road when you get some little ap time on your bill if you want to add all that stuff i've tried that stuff too then fine and there's people there's people i know who use that and that's great works for them i'm not cutting them down i'm just saying in general high low works just great and the way i looked at it too was i'd practice high low for probably a year or two i i I had hundreds of hours of practicing just at my home table, you know, being the dealer, playing like three or four different hands is really getting it down and really learning basic strategy. And that's what's most important is you, you shouldn't even really or even consider counting before you got basic strategy. And that's that's really the main thing that you want to hammer home is basic strategy. And that that took me a while to understand. Basic strategy really is honestly probably more complicated than the counting itself. I mean, basic strategy, you learn all these charts for hit 17, stand 17 and then once you learn that, it's a matter of, okay, can I keep up with the speed of the dealer and knowing what cards are coming out? It's it's really simple. The counting is simple. The basic strategy is what gets people sometimes. Yeah, and also people's tendency to play, even though they know better, they, they know base strategy <laughs> still all oh, well. This is what I do, you know. This is my my hand. This is how I play my 16s, how I play my 12s. Like, no, dude math is math (laughs) it's actually funny that you bring that up because there was a guy i was playing with today there was a guy next to me that i ended up playing with on a ten dollar table and he was an older gentleman he had this little basic strategy chart and he just set it on the table and i was like all right he's just coming here and learning how to play basic strategy and so i i just told i just told him hey what is that or asked him he's like oh it's a basic strategy chart i'm like all right well hopefully it works for you and so this guy you get i think it's a soft 18 against a dealer six so he doubles it he gets a two i'm like all right good job you got a 20 good job you did the right play Dills flips over 11 goes 21 flips out i'm like dude that's the right play you played it right right and, and he you know he's flipping out he's all pissed and he throws up and he was only playing 10 20 and so then he hit i think he bought him for like 300 or something after he lost that 20 dollars whatever the double down was he threw down 20 more dollars and then he gets uh there's a few hands later he gets a soft 17 against a nine he hits it he gets a six he goes 14 hits it again gets a face card and bust flips out again and he's like throwing like <laughs> flipping around the basic strategy card and the deal slips over 19 
he's he in this point he's just living he throws up fifty dollars and then you know a few hands later um i'm surprised he even lasts this long because <laughs> he was just freaking out he gets another soft 17 against the nine it's the same exact hand and then he decides to stay i'm like oh you're already deviating from basic strategy why'd you even come here and why do you have that card yeah why do you even have the card if you're not even gonna play it, if you're not even gonna look at it and play it by basic strategy why do you have basic strategy card if you do are not gonna play by it right so let, let me guess he won the hand that he deviated <laughs> <laughs> oh no so the dealer flips a 16 and then hits a three and goes 21 or 19 and beats him so if he were to drew he would have had 21 to that dealer's 15 and probably would have won the hand so at that point that guy oh man he was he was so pissed he he got up and left the table it was funny it was it, it was a sight to see when you say older gentleman at what do you like 21 22 23 um, I'm 23. Older gentleman, I'm I'm saying, you know, mid-50s, early 60s, probably. Oh, okay. He, 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 I, so I would call him older, too. <laughs> yeah, older gentleman. Not, not, you know, 30s or 40s. I have plenty of friends or that I've, you know, became acquainted with that are 30 or 40. Yeah, like, like myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a funny story. It's funny how people, like, the guy's obviously trying to learn. He had a base strategy card. He's trying, he knows a little, he knows enough to, to know that that's the right way. And couldn't last what five hands <laughs> um i think he actually almost lasted the whole shoe the only problem is and i think i think this is what made it worse is i was keeping track of the count and the count went extremely negative so that didn't help this case at all yeah right because <laughs> i think i think by the end of the shoe the count the running count was like a negative nine or something and so he was playing off at you know a true count of negative three or four i'd already sat out once it hit negative one and i was just sitting there and he was like aren't you gonna join i'm like well i could and so i like played one or two hands hands he ended up losing the two or three hands that i joined in you know just just for right just for giggles and he was like all right you can sit back out now i'm like all right i was already planning to sit out anyways and so he got <laughs> up and he was he was all mad he 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 did not have a good time don't you love it when I, it's really this is i think i've said this in the podcast before but i'll say it again it's frustrating to me you get somebody at the table like you probably even get this because you know people ask you for advice because they you look like you know how to play because you make decisions yep. quick yep. Uh, you, you look like you know what you're doing you don't hesitate you know the hand signals are automatic all that kind of stuff right oh yeah so people tend to ask us for advice and i try not to give unsolicited advice but if people ask i'll sometimes try to give them advice so i'll like explain how to play 16 and how to when to hit a 12 and all that and then a deviation comes up where i have to stay in my 12 <laughs> or hit my 16 or stand on my 16 when i'm not supposed to you know deviation yeah um <laughs> And they're looking at me like, you just told me to do the exact opposite thing. <laughs> I can't exactly tell them at the table sitting there. Well, we're playing two separate games here. You know, I'm playing 3D chess. You're playing checkers, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I have a different set of rules than you do, but I can't really explain that. So it's really frustrating. I feel like an asshole. Like, well, sorry. <laughs> you, you're, you're being a hypocrite. It's like, well, sometimes I hate it. Sometimes I don't. It's kind of a wishy-washy thing. You kind of have to make something up. They ask if insurance is a good bet or even money is a good bet. And you tell them no. But then you have a 16 and ace pops up. And because you're at like TC6 or something. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, 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 you're throwing your money on the felt before you, know, you don't want them accidentally wave you off. And they're like, why are you insuring a 16? Like me in the previous episode with Snowman. And we were talking about this exact same situation. I think he was talking yep, about a 14. Yep, the 14. It, yep. I don't know. Maybe it's a good cover, though. Maybe it makes us look stupid to everybody out there. Or like, yeah, you know, I, what we're talking about. It's kind of crazy because I personally even I mean, 
personally, I've just really started playing somewhat seriously uh, this, I think it was this last June, so June 2020. I, you know, started to play a little bit ser- more serious about it. I still have a hard time taking insurance on crappy hands. Like, you know, if you have it, it's, it's questionable. Okay, stop the show. Actually, this play is not questionable at all. Okay, TNA listeners, sorry, I had to stop the show in post-production. Now, Rain Man here is a new player. He's been playing seven months or so. While he has the mathematical part and the functional part of this game down, he's still working on the emotional part of the game. Rule number one is always trust the math. Always make the correct play, no matter what it feels like. The thing is, Blackjack is a solved game. Meaning that there is, like I said, a correct play for every possible situation, considering the count and deviation and all that stuff. I know he knows this, but as we all know, as more experienced players, that sometimes you can practice all you want at home, but it's until you actually get experience in the casino that you you learn these things and you develop a thicker skin and you just trust the math and play like a robot. That's all. I just wanted to clarify that and not let that just go by without saying something, because I know if I was listening to this, I'd be like, no. No, that's not correct. What are you saying? But anyway, back to the show. When you get to a you know a true count of three, because it's you you know you should even on like a you know like in a twelve or a thirteen, you know you should take it. But it's like okay, if they don't have a blackjack, then I have to play out the hand. And like you were saying in the last episode, it's like you are hoping to have that blackjack, so you don't have to play out that hand. You're hoping you at least get your money back. Yeah. And then when they don't have it, you're like, well, with the true count of three or four, I, or even higher. They probably got a 18, 19, 20, and I'm going to have to try to beat it. And there really isn't much you can do about that. But you see, it's not questionable. See, the, the difference between, you know, you and I and the snowman and other APs and other ploppies is the fact that uh, they're playing hand by hand. We're right. playing long, we're playing for the long run. They're playing by each right. hand. They look at each individual result. So, yeah, maybe that hand, you need to think that long term out. You need to think about that in a long term outlook, Versus just one hand. What's going to happen? This one hand, and it honestly does not matter. You, I'm sure you know this, but you're still because you're pretty new at it. You're still kind of going through it intellectually. That if you have a 16, the dealer has an ace, and it's time to buy insurance. It's time to buy insurance. Your yeah. hand of 16 does not. It, it's an independent event completely. They're right. Two separate bets. You know. So I know. I know you know that. Yeah, it, I'm, it, I'm actually starting to get the hang of it. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like I think it was a matter of like a month ago when I when I first bought um the you know the bga membership you know i I was still struggling with that concept that it's completely different it's a completely independent event it's you're 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 betting on a dealer having a blackjack or blackjack regardless of what your hand is and i i struggled with that like i thought they kind of were intertwined and even when the even when you had like a low true count like a zero one even like you know obviously a two anything under a three i was insuring my 19s and 20s and i was thinking all right if my i lose my if if I lose my insurance, I have a pretty good chance of still beating the hand. And what ends up happening is you have a 20, the dealer flips over a soft 15, hits a six and goes 21. And so you end up losing your insurance and your bet. And so I, I'm starting to slowly, you know, getting into, into the habit of, okay, the true count's less than a three. I have a 20. It's really hard not to take insurance, but I know that's the right move. And I'm saving myself money by not putting that insurance.
insurance out there until it's a true count of three. Or even money if you have a blackjack, you know. Exactly. Uh, same yeah. same thing. Yeah. Uh, which exactly. I hate, you know, when it's when the count's high, you know, when you're going to be taking insurance or even money. It is. It, I understand psychologically. It's frustrating for me to think, man. Say I have a two hundred dollar bet out there, right? I'm giving up a hundred dollars taking even money, but that's the correct place. So that's what we do, right? Yep. So. You're giving up a hundred dollars, and I mean, it is what it is. It's the correct play for me. Um, I obviously have a little bit of a smaller bankroll, so for my for my insurance, it's uh, I think it's yeah, for even money, it'd be thirty dollars less. But it's all really in a matter of betting units too. So I mean, that's that's still, it's all relative. Yeah. Yeah, it's all relative. I wanted to ask you what it's like as a young guy putting money down being AP because I was well into adulthood before I started being AP in my early 30s. So I'm curious what it's like as a young guy being able to get the big bets down. Or are you even at that point yet with your bankroll? So like I was saying earlier, or you know, just a few minutes ago, um, Again, my my max bet what or my max bet is just two by sixty. It's it doesn't seem like much, obviously, compared to other people with larger bankrolls. You know, sixty is actually like less than their minimum bet for some people. Uh, but you know, as a young guy, I don't have, well, and a college student, I'm not really really broke. But I just want to be able to manage my risk because I've I have about five thousand dollars that I've put towards my bankroll, and that's over time. And you know, two by sixty really isn't much. But I mean, if you have a true count of six or a true true, true count of five. You, you should have a pretty big bet out there. And I've been putting all these calculations and everything into the uh, pro betting software with uh, the B, or the BGA membership. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with a $5,000 bankroll, it's it's all a matter of like, OK, I don't have 20000 or $25,000. That's completely different. So I can manage to have a little bit of risk. But at the same time, I'm also a young guy that is in school and I don't really have time for a full time job right now because I'm, I'm in school cool and so it's also it's like you kind of have to find that happy medium it's like you don't want to put you don't want to have a bankroll or you have a betting spread that's you know 20 25 percent risk because that's that's a one in four chance or one in five chance of losing everything and i i can't imagine losing five thousand dollars right now i just i couldn't stomach it and so i i still want to be able to make a decent amount of money but i also don't want to be you know sludging along at like $10 an hour. And so I've tried to find this happy medium of, okay, I think I can manage myself or manage with about seven, maybe 10% risk. And so what I've been playing by and what I've, I bet a lot of people have heard of is uh, Yoshi, you know, Yoshi mm-hmm. from, yes. from, you know, the BGA membership podcast. Mm-hmm. And when he first started, started with 3000, he was playing, I think it was $10 a hand. And then once he hit the true count of two, he was playing two by $10 times the true count. And that's what I've that's what I've been playing by recently is just two by the true count by ten. So, you know, true count of three, I playing two by thirty dollars, so right. on and so forth. But then that I'll keeps it really simple too. Oh yeah, it's really simple. Um but recently I went on my winning streak, which we can talk about later because it's turned into a little bit of a downswing. As a lot of blackjack people know, you are bound to hit a, a little bit of bad variant. Um, right. by the playing, way, in a little little side note, that's the yeah. exact same bad ramp that I used before I got more a little more uh, scientific with it. Yeah. So I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing there, and there's nothing wrong with uh, even if it takes two years to build a decent bankroll. There's nothing wrong with that either. I, I say be patient. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I started out 
or I've started out just playing two by true count by 10 and that's worked out pretty well for me um this last week I decided I would move up my bet a little bit it was a little risky I'll admit that I'd been able to make enough money to where my bankroll was actually closer to seven thousand dollars which I, I I'll admit I was a little impatient um so I decided to move up my minimum bet to fifteen dollars instead of ten so in reality I probably should have waited until I hit about seventy five hundred dollars but like I was saying I was a little a little impatient and so I started to do two by true count by 15 at a true count of two. And so my max bet was then two by 90 at a true count of six. And unfortunately, the two days that I decided to do that, my downswing started. And so I've I've gone back to the two by true count by 10. You probably didn't run into the TC6 very often at the game that I know that you play at mostly. Um, Not very often. It's it's very it, it is a shoe game. Um, It is six decks. But luckily. Luckily, the game that I played, there was actually pretty good pen. It's usually it's it's about, you know, one and a quarter or less. Um, some often the, less. Often yeah. less. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of dealers that will offer about one pen. And there are actually a few that are less than one pen. So you might not see it very often, but when it does happen, you got to take advantage of it. That's why we're called advantage players is because we look for every opportunity to take advantage and put that money out there. And just you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's not just and you'll find this out as you go along in your AP career that it ends up being in your whole life. <laughs> not not yeah. just everything. Uh, you're always looking for an angle. At least I am. And a lot of APs I know they're always looking for an angle to save a buck here and there. And it's so funny. We play at times hundred dollars a hand. But then on the way home, we'll bitch about the gas went up to two ninety a gallon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah back to your resizing so you had a positive variant streak for a while there i know and then you just been hit hard recently uh yeah so um and then actually even before my positive variant swing it was it was very very depressing <laughs> so like i was telling you earlier uh last june is when i first started getting serious about it um you know i just wanted to get back into it i started practicing more and i had i think it was you know 60 or 80 hours just at the table which or at my dining room table practicing and i was making i don't know 42 dollars an hour at my table which is obviously different than at the casino you can play three times faster at your own table because you can make all the decisions by yourself sure so i was like so i'm like all right cool i'm gonna go to the casino make some money i i have 80 hours in i thought that was a large enough sample size well i i was wrong i was i was really wrong um so in june i had a pretty bad streak um i started off pretty well right when you started right yeah i started yeah i started right when i started i experienced the downswing it was it, it was not good i'd gone like 30 or 40 hours and I, I was not making any money. I was losing money. And so it got to a point where I was like, all right, you know, I've, I've lost enough money. I didn't trust the math. I thought it was all a scam. And so I took three months off and came back again in September thinking, OK, I've done my, a little more research into it. I've practiced more. I've gotten really good with the basic strategy. I know all the deviations, the illustrious 18, the fabulous four. I have everything down down to the nail. And so I went back and I had like another 60, 80 hours in and it was just straight, straight downswing again. I think I maybe won two out of 
20 sessions and it was just really bad so again i cursed cursed that math cursed that bga cursed at youtube cursed it basically anything <laughs> about blackjack and i just was just done and so yeah that was probably 140 hour downswing 150 hour downswing and i i did not trust it at all and so again i quit for three months practiced at my dining room table i was making money at my dining room table in theory and then in december i decided to come back and i was like okay people are saying they've had i think i was even talking to you before then um people are saying okay you can have 150 to 200 hour downswings and i believe you're talking you talked to the snowman first yeah yeah i think yeah it was probably snowman yeah so i've i talked to him he's like yeah i had a 192 hour downswing this summer and i never made it back to my i think it was a maximum he'd ever been at i think it was 192 hours before ever he broke even at that point and so i was like well i'm just starting off and i had 160 hour downswing he's like oh yeah that's common and i'm like well i'll give it one more shot and that's that's when i experienced finally finally experienced positive variance and i went on a i think it was a 60 or 80 hour positive swing um my actual my actual value of like my ev but av was uh i think it was close to 45 or 50 dollars an hour compared to my ev which is closer to 22 or 23 so it was double and I think it was finally after about 30 hours of my positive variance, I actually broke even from the 150 or 160 hours of, you know, negative variance. And so that got me a little a little more hopeful. 20, would you say your your EV was? Uh, it was about 22 or $23 an hour. That's pretty good for your bankroll. And part of the reason why you had uh, that downturn is that you, you're playing with a relatively high risk of ruin, you know, considering your yeah. bankroll to be able yeah, to get with- that level of EV with your 5K bankroll. Yeah, no. I've, I mean, I didn't at the time when I was playing in June and September, I had no idea what my actual risk of ruin was. I figured, you know, I have a $10 minimum. And actually, at the time, I, I was only throwing maybe $800 or $1,000 at it at a time. And so I was thinking, oh, I'll start off like Colin or Ben. They started out with $800 and he started out with $2,000. I'll, I'll I'll get lucky and I'll be fine. And, you know, I'd, I'd lose it. And I'm like, all right, I'm not playing. And I come back three months later. And I'm like, oh, I'll give it another shot. And then I lost that. And I'm like, all right, I'm not playing anymore. And I come back three months later and I finally hit some positive variants. Right. You know, as you know, it's all part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I realize that now. It's it's just it was just it was really depressing just to start out, my, start out mm-hmm. you know, right off the bat with 150 or 160 hour downswing. It was just I was like, how are these guys making money off of blackjack? Why am I not? doing it why i i questioned how i was playing i plugged in once i finally got the membership i plugged in my you know my bet spread the bankroll and it looked like a positive game and then when i actually went to the casino i made sure i was making all the right deviations and making the right playing decisions and i think maybe at times my deck system or deck estimation might have been off a little bit but other than that, I think I was playing a pretty pretty close to a winning game. But I mean, obviously in blackjack, you have a one percent edge, so pretty close doesn't do it. Exactly, and you play one of the better games in the region too. That the one you play the most often. Yeah, this is at the yeah the casino that I play at. It's actually the only one I've really played played at in my career. I have gone to another casino up north. I went there with my parents, and we had we went to the seafood buffet at the time, and I was like, hey, can we go and to the casino i want to play blackjack for a little bit and i went and so 
you know, at this time, I'd only known basic strategy. And I was like, I just want to play, you know, see if I can make a little bit of money. First table I sat down at, I was like, yo, is this blackjack? They're like, yeah, this blackjack. And so started playing. Everyone's dealt their hands face down. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, oh, this is double deck blackjack. And I was like, but why are the hands face down? And I was really confused. I had no idea. I believe that's, what is that? <laughs> the pitch? It's called pitch. Yeah. 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 I had no idea what the heck that was. And so I was like, okay, I can't count cards like this. And so I finally was just playing until I lost a hand. And then I left and I'm like, well, I don't know where the blackjack tables are. So I walked up to a Spanish table again, you know, not knowing how much of a disadvantage I'm at when I'm playing at a Spanish table. You're starting out with the true count of negative four, basically. They and if you're playing tens. and if you don't know Spanish space or strategy, you're yeah. really at a disadvantage. Yeah, I had no idea. Luckily, luckily, I only walked out of there down $30 and I had played for like an hour. So I was lucky enough to only leave down $30 and I was even just betting the minimum, you know, $5. But still, I <laughs> I think I was lucky enough to not walk out of there with less than what I did. It's actually easier to, to count on a double deck game than it even, yeah, and yeah. Any, especially if they're face down for me. For me anyway, it's easier because I, I just look at it when they're flipped over or somebody gets yeah. a blackjack, then you go minus two uh, oh, yeah. on your running count. It, it's easier for me. Plus, obviously, it's two decks is a lot easier to uh, the two count conversions <laughs> yeah, uh, quite a bit the math's real to, simple <laughs> yeah instead of having to you know figure out what the running count is and then divide by like you know five and a half or four and a half or three and a half two and a half is a little bit easier but you know the the really strange you know deviations yeah, or, right. you know the estimations you have to do it's it's a lot easier to do two one and a half or one and sometimes half if you're lucky enough yeah i suggest uh and you've probably heard this before maybe that before you get uh true deck conversion true count conversion down don't even bother with the halves just go hold the whole numbers and once you get yeah. that down then go to the halves because other because once you get it down it, it's actually really it comes pretty quick really but then once you if you try to throw the halves in when you're learning that, that can be pretty daunting and pretty uh, pretty frustrating. You know, and you're sitting there at the table trying to make a split second decision. You're still maybe not completely automatic with basic strategy. You know it, but you have to think about it, you know, still. Yeah, so I highly suggest new people listening to stick to full to whole numbers when you're first doing that yeah for yeah. sure because i mean with the membership you can also or the bj membership they've got the test out and i think when i first started with the membership i was doing the test out as a on hold deck and i was pretty comfortable doing that but the only problem was is i'd been doing half deck for so well not so long but i've been been doing half deck for a while that i was so used to doing five and a half four and a half and three and a half or something like that and then i'd get like a running count of like 14 and there'd be three and a half decks left and i'm like all right it's, it's, it's a true count of four and then i type that in or i'd think it'd, it'd be like a split like right. you're splitting tens against a six it's a it's a true count of four and so i was like all right i'll split those tens against a six and it said wrong and i'm like what the heck why am i wrong and it said true count is three and i'm like mm, no it's four and then i'm like oh right it's rounding up to four your true count's like three and a half it's not quite four yet and so you know it's little things i'm so used to doing 
doing half count that I, I tried mm-hmm. it out a full and I made mistakes because I didn't realize it was at a full a yeah. whole deck. And it would make sense that the software that's training people would be at a full deck because, you know, maybe that's all they're at. The, the person's yeah. probably not where you were at, you know. Yeah, it's and I think that when people first start, like you said, you should start at a whole deck because, you know, getting it down to half deck, it, it takes some time. I mean, even learning the deviation takes some time because you, you know basic strategy. You've got that down. But remembering what deviations to use at the right time and then, like you're saying, having to make that split-second decision, you're better off going to whole deck instead of half deck because it's use, it's just a little more, you know, brain power you have to use. Okay, is that closer to three and a half or three? And then, you, and then at the same time, you can't do, like, the whole, like, you know, newbie, like, head tilt looking at... <laughs> Looking at the deck tray, not trying to make it not too obvious. You just have to kind of glance at it. You're like, okay, that's closer to three. You know, run counts a twelve. It's a I have a fifteen against a ten. Okay, true mm-hmm. counts four. I should probably stay. And you, and you have to do all that in a matter of a second. All those decisions in a matter of a second and not saying it out loud. Recently, I was I was playing and I was a little distracted. I think there was a, a cute girl around the corner <laughs> or something. And so I was a little distracted and the count dictated that I should stay in my sixteen and I hit it. And I caught a five, and then as soon as I as soon as I got the five when it was coming on my onto my hand, I oh shit, I should have stayed, and I ended up winning the hand, and the whole other table, the rest of the table lost because the dealer pulled twenty. Uh, oh no! Even though I won, and it was a decent bet, even though I won the hand, I was pissed. At, I'm still pissed at myself yeah. for making the wrong play because it's not about the actual results of each individual hand. It's about playing perfect, and like you said, it's only a one percent to two percent edge, so you can't make mistakes like that and yeah i got lucky there but you know my table mates did in that hand yeah exactly <laughs> it's i mean the way to look at it too is like you have a one percent edge and so theoretically if you were to make more than one mistake every you know 100 hands you're losing your edge right there because if you're looking at like a one percent that's 99 out of 100 so if you make two mistakes in a matter of 100 hands you're giving away your edge you you have to be perfect mm-hmm. absolutely man but yeah going back to what you're saying about hitting that 16 against the 10 um, I actually experienced that Friday. I, I think I was distracted by, I don't know what it was, but I was I was distracted. I think I was spacing off or something. And Where you play, there's lots of distractions on Friday. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> there's the slots going off and there's the roulette table and people yelling and shouting and everything. And I was just kind of spacing off. And so the dealer had a six and I had a 14 and I was just like making the motion and I, I hit it. And I'm like, as soon as I did it, I'm like, oh, no, why did I do that? And I got a seven and I'm like, no, that wasn't supposed to happen. I was supposed to bust. Like, I was pretty sure I was going to bust. And it was only a minimum bet out there. But it was still the fact that I hit a 14 against a 6. And there was a guy sitting next to me that he just looked at me. He just, like, cocked his head <laughs> to the side and looked at me. And he was like, you were going to bust? You weren't. You didn't mean to do that, did you? And I'm like, oh, no, I definitely did not. He's like, that's completely against basic strategy. I'm like, I am completely aware that I was spacing out. And I did not mean to hit that. And the dealer ended up flipping over a 14 and busted i'm like okay so i saved the table yeah. and i made a 21 but i did not mean to do that <laughs> well 
that that works out great. It's even worse when you you do something stupid and you and and you screw the whole table over. It doesn't. I mean, we know that in, everybody else, every hand's an individual event, and it doesn't matter. Everybody else plays long term, other than if they slow the game down or they eat your cards. I guess there's that too. But yeah. but it's still you don't want to feel like an asshole at the table or have them thinking you're an asshole. Yeah, it, there's there was another time too where I think the count was I can't remember what it was. It was it was it was I think it was probably a true count of negative one. So I was getting ready to, you know, just sit out and I then got like a I remember what it was like a five or something. And so I hit it and I got a seven. I'm like, all right, whatever. I hit it again. I got a nine. I hit it again and got an eleven. I'm like, all right, cool. We're at four cards, five cards. Here comes the face card. There's like three or four cards in my hand and I got a twelve. And I'm like, you know, you gotta be kidding me. Okay. Here comes the face card. And I'm gonna bust now with a twenty two because you know that's what happens. You get eleven, you get a face or you get an ace and then you bust because it's always one card late. <laughs> yeah, right. But, it seems um, that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then so I and the dealer had a face and I'm like, well, I got to try to beat a 20. And so I hit it. I got an ace, 13, hit it, 14, hit it, 15, hit it, 16. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I was like, I think it was like a negative one. So it was just below positive. And I'm like, well, I got to hit it one more time. And I hit it and I ended up getting a five and I got 21. And it was like an eight or nine card 21. And everyone at the table was like freaking out. And I was like, I'm just going based off of what I know. I need to hit that 16. I could have stayed, but I hit it and I got 21 and the dealer had a 20. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, I wish I had a bigger bet out there, but it's 10 bucks is 10 bucks. Probably meant for a bigger bet the next hand, maybe, possibly. Oh, yeah. I, I, I definitely... I mean, the the true count went from, I think it was a negative one to like a plus two or plus three because we're so close to the end of the shoe. So I ended up going to two hands and I think everyone almost got a face card on their hand the next hand because there was just so many little cards that came out in that hand alone. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of the TNA podcast. Special thanks to Rain Man for coming on. Much appreciated. We'll see you next time and see you down the fill. Here's a few messages from our sponsors. Find your paradise. Go to visit Las Vegas. Dot com. By the fact that you're listening to a podcast about blackjack and advantage play, it's clear that you're interested in this topic and most likely interested in becoming the best blackjack player you can become. Now, I suppose there are exceptions to this. Like, for example, maybe you're an uninterested significant other trapped in the car listening to this. Or maybe you're a kid trapped in the car forced to listen to this because your phone is dead and you can't tune out the world with your headphones in like you normally would. And by the way, kids, I apologize for all the F-bombs that I've dropped on this show. Please don't follow my example. Or maybe, just maybe, you don't like money and you want to continue to play blackjack and not make your game better. If you happen to fall in any of those categories, by all means, tune out and don't listen to a word that I have to say right here. But if you want to learn how to be the best blackjack player you can be, learn and grow your game, I suggest you check out blackjackapprenticeship.com. They offer what is, in my opinion, not only a world-class education on the game of blackjack, but the absolute best education you can find anywhere for this game. 
They offer online training drills, a supportive community, as well as other exclusive tools that are critical to your success. Even if you already know the ins and outs of this game and don't really need the training they offer per se. That's great. I'm kind of in that boat myself and I imagine there are several others of you that are as well. So even for people like us, just the opportunities in networking alone that this site offers is worth the price of admission and then some. I also can't stress enough that it is a wonderful and supportive community of other APs. There is almost no trolling in the forums there. So once again, I urge you to check out blackjackapprenticeship.com if you're serious about growing your game.